This is Live On Purpose Radio, episode 541, Five Steps to Develop Psychological Flexibility with Dr. Eric Corum. Now is the only time to create and live the life you love. I'm Dr. Paul Jenkins, the positivity psychologist. My job is to connect you to powerful positive psychology principles that immediately upgrade your relationships, business, and mental health. Are you ready? Let's jump in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live On Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live On Purpose Radio. And joining me today is Dr. Eric Corum. He is going to expand our life. I tell you what, I haven't known him for very long, but uh, we're going to get into some really practical steps around developing psychological flexibility. Now, something you ought to know about my guest, he works with high performers, everybody from the Department of Defense to Olympic athletes, and he has this passion, and I love this about Eric, to take the science and make it accessible and applicable to everyday people like you and me. Welcome to the show, Dr. Eric. Well, Dr. Paul, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I love speaking uh, about taking complex things and making them actionable to improve our health and wellness mm. and just the opportunity to come on your show and and share anything that could be of value with your audience is, is a blessing. I'm so glad that you're here. And this topic, I think, is really important mm-hmm. because, and you've probably noticed this. I'm sure all of our listeners have noticed this, that there's there's a pandemic of poisonous pessimism out there. Yeah. The negativity that we encounter in our world has a tendency to take people off of their purpose it definitely affects their ability to show up and perform at those levels that they're probably capable of if they could just get out of their own way or even understand what the science is behind their own thinking. Mm. And this is something that I see you addressing in your work. So I'm excited to see what you have to share with us today about these five steps. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, my in my career prior to about Two years ago, I left a career about 16 years working in collegiate and professional sports, worked in the NFL, worked with NFL athletes for a long time. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. elite sprinters, Olympic athletes. And what we noticed was what separated the elite from even like even if you were an NFL player to like an all pro or a gold medalist to somebody that just made it to the Olympics was winning that battle between their ears from the chin up. Oh yeah. They were different than everybody else. And I think we can all relate to this fact or all relate to this situation. You're talking about this world of negativity. The hardest battle to win is winning that battle between your ears. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's where the war rages. And, you know, we got all these inputs coming in. And so something that I'm very focused on and our company and our team is focused on is we we believe the future of health and wellness is truly mental fitness. All these components work together, mm. physical and psychological balance each other out. But we define mental fitness as the ability to be consciously present 
and to process information rationally and without bias. And this empowers you to respond quickly and rationally to changing circumstances through committed actions anchored in your values. That is what Ooh. psychological flexibility really is, is being like in the moment, like, you know, that all the stuff's going on, right? Like this negative inputs or you're having, you're ruminating yeah. on something or emotion enters the equation. Can you consciously be present, be aware of your thoughts, emotions, and feelings, and then take actions rooted in your values? And so there's really five steps. And, and some of this gets really meta, right? Of like very macro to start. Uh. But, the first yeah. thing you have to do is you have to understand what your purpose for being is. Like, why are you here? Um, Mark Twain once said, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. You know, defining right. why you exist and really how you exist to find your purpose. So for me, mine is to use my talents, whatever gifting ability I have to honor God and impact other people. That That is what my purpose is. Uh, and that can change over time. You know, when I was in sports, it was like sure. helping athletes perform at a high level. Now it's an, another mission we can talk about later. But you really need to identify your purpose. You know, where do I find Ooh. joy and fulfillment? Where am I? Where is my talent and giftedness? Um, where does my current job potentially leave me unfulfilled? And what you know, when some people say like, "What do I want my obituary to say one day?" Uh huh. This is not something it's easy to do, uh, but I highly recommend, number one, that you figure out what your purpose is, spend some time and write it down somewhere. And this is going to evolve over time, but, you know, different phases of your life, it may take on a different shade or hue, but you really need to lock in on what your purpose is. The next thing is, is what are your values? <laughs> this is really hard for a lot of people, but when they go through a values exploration, it can change your life. You know, core values are a, a set of non-negotiable principles that really set the tone for how you want to be. Goals are about a destination. Values are more about a direction. Goals are about mm. like a future destination. Values are about like what I want to be right here, right now. And it's, uh, it's really kind of about how you're doing this rather than yeah. where you're going. Right. Mm -hmm. The the values become the driving um parameters around what you're willing to do for example or mm -hmm. why you do it in the first place i love that you started with purpose too i mean here we are at live on purpose radio yeah <laughs> and, and dr eric Corum talking about let's understand our purpose because without that the rest is kind of meaningless really yeah, I think there's an old Japanese proverb like vision without vision without action is meaningless and like action without vision is a nightmare. You know, mm. being in team sport for so long, like you had to know the purpose. Like at the end of the season, the goal is to win the championship. And then you could reverse engineer right. everything back from that. So once you know your your purpose and then you understand your values, your values are like how you are going to act. What are the things that you value? Mm -hmm. Then you need to start training your awareness. That's step three. So step one is purpose. Step two is identify your values. Step three is training your awareness. You want to be fully yeah. present and aware of your thoughts, emotions, and feelings. And not and have the ability to not overreact or mm. to, to not react, but really to engage when things happen. And so one of the best ways that you can do this is 
through mindfulness. Mindfulness training is a wonderful tool uh, for training attentional control. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when it first really started surfacing in probably the early 2010s, there was it's not a religious thing. There's not a you don't have to be a part of a religious affiliation to do this. This is actually a training tool for the world's elite. Um, one of my dear friends, and actually is on our advisory board for AIM Seven, Dr. Peter Haberl, was at the U.S. Senior Senior Psychologist for the U.S. Olympics for a long period of time, and they literally just had a room at all these amazing laboratories and all this stuff. And when it came to training the mind, it was like an empty room. And mm. they were doing a lot of you know mindfulness training. Why? Because what does mindfulness training do? There is a there is a myth that the world's elite do not feel pressure. That's complete baloney. If the outcome <laughs> of an event is um, unpredictable and it's important to you, you should expect to feel pressure. If it's on, like, yes. if you don't, if it, the outcome's uncertain and it's important. And there was a, a cyclist named Sir Chris Hoy. He um, was the greatest Olympic cyclist of all time, won six Olympic gold medals. And when he talked about what it felt like to race in an Olympic finals, he said it felt like he was going to the gallows, like he was going to be hung. Wow. Now, this is like one of the greatest athletes on the entire planet in any sport. But, and we're going to get back to the mindfulness piece of attentional mm-hmm. control, training awareness. What he said he would do in those moments is he would shift his attention from those awful feelings to his hands gripping the steering wheel, his butt in the seat, his feet in the clips, meaning like he's shifting his attention to what he could control. He was aware of where his mind was. He took that awareness and then was able to take action. And so the best of the Mm -hmm. world are aware, like you get up in front of a large audience, like unless you're just, you've been doing it for 20 years, even then you may still feel those jitters in your stomach. That's normal. What do you do? You train your awareness. You understand where your head is so you can take action. Same thing with an uncomfortable uh, conversation or a difficult work situation or family situation. So you got to know your purpose. You got to know your values. And you got to be aware and train your awareness. Mindfulness is an excellent tool for this. It's really easy to do. One of the best ways to do it is just hone in on a physical sensation like your breath. Mm -hmm. Um, People use that. I go on mindful walks. I'll just walk around the neighborhood and like actually tune into my environment and try to be hyper aware of what I'm hearing. And all of a sudden it's like the world comes alive. Uh, You could do Mm -hmm. it while you're eating. There's a lot of different ways to do this, but the research is pretty clear. This reduces mind wandering. It prevents rumination, helps with attentional control, executive functioning, prevents task switching. Amisha Jaws lab at the University of Miami has done some phenomenal research on this. There was actually a paper that just came out in JAMA Psychiatry that demonstrated that mindfulness is just as effective in reducing anxiety symptoms as the commonly prescribed anti-anxiety drug Lexapro. Pretty wild. And I'm not saying yes. that people shouldn't use their anti-anxiety medication. I'm just saying it's, there are opportunity you know things like this are very very powerful tools you know i think one of the reasons for that as you're describing this and you used awareness in that very juicy definition that you gave <laughs> us earlier of what psychological flexibility is all about to start with yeah and and when you think about it and you have to think about your thinking this is mm. that meta 
cognitive level. It's it's taking it to another level, thinking about our own thinking and being aware of what's going on in our mind. These are all elements of that mindfulness that you're talking about. And I have discovered this as a clinical professional psychologist for now three decades. Mm. Anxiety lives in a future focus. Yeah. <laughs> it's not I'll here go. and now. No, it's about an outcome that may never happen. Yeah, and we're totally making it up. And I'm the worst. I mean, like that is uh, just to be quite frank. It's it's something that I struggle with personally. Is um, Mm. I think I I I'll just be honest with you. Like I really feel other people's emotions, Mm -hmm. and so sometimes if I see something that's off, all of a sudden it triggers something in my brain. Like, oh, this is happening. This this could be going on. And then you're like, I I have to train myself. Like, you know what, Eric? That may not even be real. Right. Like, and, and don't get spun up about something that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think there's a lot of people out there that probably can relate to that. I love the way Dan Zadra put this. He said, worry is the misuse of imagination. Mm, that's and brilliant. That is so spot on because we are totally imagining, oh, this is going to happen or that's not going to happen or, Mm. you know, and we make all these predictions of which most of them are complete guesses to start with. And we're terrible at predicting. Right. (laughs) We're most likely wrong. I did. You know what? I did one of my YouTube videos about this just to make the point. And I took a pair of dice on camera and I'm like. I know it's going to be a six and a four. And then I rolled it and it was like a two and a three. Mm. I'm like, oh, missed it. Let me try that again. Okay, this time it's going to be. And I make these predictions. And I just was demonstrating Mm. how terrible we are at predicting things like a roll of dice. But we constantly are predicting what's going to happen in our life, in our relationships, in our finances, in our performance. And we don't know. I'm so, taking notes on this right now. This is phenomenal. It makes so much sense. Like you could flip a coin. Sometimes it's seven out of 10, even though five out of five. But if we were great at predicting things, we, you know, we'd all be billionaires, right? We'd be predicting the stock market. And there's no way that you can predict how somebody else is going to react. Which right. takes us to kind of this fourth point, which is. You know your purpose, you have your values, you're aware of the moment, and then eventually you have to do what? You have to take action. You have to do something. Yes. Yeah, you take actions anchored in your values. Meaning like, mm. I'm going to do this because I value X. You know, if you if you value, I'm just going to use the word excellence. That's something that I value is being excellent, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to treat other people in a specific way because I value being excellent. I'm going to take a step for my health today because I value excellence. I'm going to, uh, you know, whatever it is, when, when emotion enters the equation and you don't feel like taking action, go back to your values. And that right. will help you persist amid the storm. Um, if you don't have clearly defined values, you're going to get blown and tossed like the wind. You know what I'm saying? You're just going to be all over the place. You know, that leaf that's just flying through the air in the fall, you know, because of all the crazy wind. I'm in Texas. We have severe weather. And mm-hmm. so you see these crazy, you know, storms. all the, And that, that's what it's that's what it's like without values. 
Um, and then the right. last part I would say is you got to have accountability. Yes. Um, that's why, you know, maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's not a spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's somebody you go to church with. Maybe it's your psychologist. Maybe it's, but you need like real accountability. People that you give agency to that can call you on your stuff. It kind of gets back to what you were just saying too, because you triggered a, a line of thought for me, Eric, just now, as you said, you know, you're not going to feel like doing the things that support your core values. Mm-hmm. There's a natural resistance that we feel. And I think part of it is simply gravity. I mean, you're lying in bed. Do I feel like getting up to exercise? <laughs> no. Maybe a better question is what do I really, what is my commitment to myself mm. and to everyone that I love? about taking care of this amazing body that I have? Do I value health? Do I value vitality? And that's maybe a better question than do I feel like it? Don't, don't trust your feelings. Feelings will, they, they will change like that. Uh, but values yes. do not. And you know, what's interesting is, you know, the, the company I started called AIM7, we, we take wearable technology mm. data and we turn it into personalized health and wellness recommendations. But part of this, we go through a values exploration with people. And what's really cool mm. is in the first month, we do these four Zoom calls and we're sitting with groups of people that know, don't know each other. Uh-huh. And they're talking about values. And what you start hearing is, is when it comes to health and wellness, people start talking about things like, I'm doing this for my kids now. Mm. And that's a big, strong value. Families are strong value. I'm doing this because uh, I do want longevity or I do want to feel vibrant, like you said. And I hear this. So what you're saying, I'm hearing from random people all over the country. When they really get down to it, when it comes to health and well-being, those are values that pop up quite frequently. Mm. I, I got five things written down here. I think I'm yeah. taking accurate yeah. notes here. Yeah. Under, understanding your purpose. Yeah. That's where it all starts. And then from there, we have to get clear about what are those core values? Yeah. Because as we're talking about this right now, our feelings are going to deceive us from time to time. Mm-hmm. And the natural pull of gravity is going to take us a direction that we may not intend to go. Hmm. Certainly those who who are performing at the elite end of whatever their field is are defying gravity in that way yeah, because they're more driven by those values. And then you said train your awareness. Train your awareness. And you could, there's a lot of ways you can do that. There's a lot of tools. I mean, you're an expert in this area, but mindfulness is one that I found useful. Breath mm-hmm. work. Um, even like just deliberate gratitude, deliberate reflection, deliberate reflections, like really hard. That's an, it's all kind of bucketed with you taking control of your mind and being aware and being willing to sit with thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And there's, and it could be physical sensations. It could be observing the mind. There's a lot of different ways people do it. Mm -hmm. And then, um, then it's taking actions anchored in your values. And then the last thing is seeking accountability on this. Like find someone 
that cares about you and cares and be like, Hey, this is my purpose in life. This is what I value. Maybe this is an area I'm struggling with, or this is an area I want to improve on. And I'm, I'm going to be taking action towards this. And then have somebody, if you don't have accountability, that's another thing, like going into technology, it's like, I've, I've been training athletes, but it's usually like, you know, 50 at a time, 60 at a time. Yeah. And it's hard to get feedback from everybody. But when somebody's got this device, right, and you ask them questions, you get all these feedback. And we found that accountability was something that so many people need. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, I would say, like, you take control of this. Like, you don't need technology to do it. If you need help, it's a wonderful tool. But, like, and make it in real life or like this. Uh, but I suggest, like, a face-to-face kind of, of kind of accountability rather than just a text. You know, it's so interesting that you would say that because you can outsource this. <laughs> you can hire someone. Yes. To a coach or an accountability partner. You, I, I join mastermind groups for this purpose. Yes. And it was interesting because I was sitting um, in an awards banquet for the National Speakers Association, of which I'm a member. And these these five people were being honored with the highest um, award that the association grants, and that's the the Hall of Fame designation. Basically, yeah. they each give a little speech, you know, to accept their award. It's kind of like the Oscars of the professional speaking industry. And every one of them, Eric, every one of them mentioned accountability to their chapter and to their mastermind group. Every one of them, all five. You know, it's, that's why like people join like these like YPOs or things like that, you know, or whatever is because if they have to do it every month and then they tell somebody they're going to do something, Mm -hmm. guess what? Person's going to call them on it, especially if they actually care about them. Right. And the, and this, this extends into all things in your life and you don't have to join that, but if you can't afford it, find a neighbor or a friend that you really care about. But the key thing to me is they have to have the ability to call you on stuff. If it's yes. going to be one of these things where you really don't want accountability, then don't even do it. And you can't get your feelings right. hurt if somebody's like, hey, um, Paul, last month we talked about this. And you said you were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Don't get offended. Well, Just be like, yeah, OK, have a spirit of humility. Well, it's it's a little bit of a misnomer to say I I hold myself accountable. Yes. I think that's an earlier step, Eric. You talked about training your awareness, becoming more mindful. I think that's your personal internal accountability. Yeah. But having some external uh, way to, to be accountable for what I've committed to do for myself and for others. And the beautiful thing about this is that as you keep your commitments to yourself, two things start to happen. Number one, you love your life. I mean, your <laughs> life rocks. And isn't that enough of a reason? But the other thing is, you start to improve the condition of other people's lives because mm. you're showing up and doing that thing you do. Mm. And that has an economic impact as well. 
I'm with so, you. This is so cool. I love talking to you. You, we, we're, we're seeing my kindred spirits in the sense that, like, it starts with you and then yeah. it impacts others. Like, you got to get yourself right. right. Um, but if you have an outward focus, um, it, it makes it makes doing the hard things a little bit easier. It, it does. I agree with that. I mean, there's still gravity that we're working against. Yeah. Right. But that's why we want to develop psychological flexibility in the first place. 100%. So the, either we drive our thoughts or our thoughts drive us. That's why these five strategies are so powerful. It helps us to take control of a process that's going to happen without our input if we don't take control of it. No, no question. No question. Eric, thank you so much for sharing these these steps with us and and your wisdom around those. I know that some of our listeners are just dying to find out more about what you're up to and maybe how they can engage with you. Where would you send them to learn more about what you're doing and the projects that you can help them with? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I'm on you know social media at Eric Corum, E-R-I-K-K-O-R-E-M. Um, also AIM-7 is what I left sports to start. And basically what we're doing is taking wearable technology data from like your Apple Watch or Fitbit or whatever, Mm -hmm. and we're turning it into actionable recommendations for your mind, body, and recovery to help you look, feel, and perform better. So we don't just show you data. We tell you exactly what you need to do each day to feel better, to become more fit. And um if we Love do something it. really cool after seven days of being in the app, we analyze all your data and then we're like, hey, Paul, here's the one area you need to focus on. And a lot of the things we just talked about are baked right into the app. And we take you through some of these explorations to help you achieve your health and wellness goals. And then uh, the last place I would say is my podcast, The Blueprint, which you're going to come on. Um, the Blueprint. We, yeah, you're going to be on. And what we do is we distill cutting edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics. So they're 10 to 15 minute episodes. And we, it's just right to the point of like, like I just had Sachin Panda on who's the head of the, he's at the Salk Institute. And we talked about how to synchronize your circadian clock to prevent obesity and diabetes. And like, he gave like six simple steps. So when we come on, you're going to come on and we're going to get like three things to do this or four things to do that. So that's where I would go. And I just want to say I'm very thankful for being here today and being have the opportunity to share with you and your audience. It's it's a blessing and a pleasure. Oh, Eric, thank you. You've created some value here for the world. We're going to go share it with everybody that we can find. Folks, if you're listening and you know someone who came to your mind, please share this episode with them. You've heard it from Eric Corum. There's a K at the end of the first name and at the beginning of the second name so that you can go find him. It's time for us to now live on purpose. Did you get what you came for? Give yourself the gift of taking real action on what you realized today. Please share this episode with someone you know would value it. And leave us a rating too. It's time now to live on purpose.